I think for women, things like showing your cellulite, for example, which most women have, and then men, you know, showing their bellies. Like, I have to say, based on totally unscientific (laughs) research I've done, most men have a little belly. Yep, it's true. I also have a little belly. Uh, My mom likes to call it baby fat, but at 35 years old, I just call it uh, normal adult abdominal fat. I think I also have stretch marks like behind my thighs, sort of like where my thighs meet my ass, which I like to call tiger stripes. I'm not a huge fan of my belly, but I've had it for so long and I am working on reducing some of that abdominal fat. But Most people don't care. Like my partners or my lovers uh, are self-conscious about their body. And so they're spending more time thinking about their own body than my body. That's what I just need to remember whenever I'm having sex, which doesn't happen that often. I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I think people think I have a lot of sex and that has been true in the past, but is no longer true. Also, neither here nor there. I just felt like sharing that with you. Why are we talking about this? We're talking about this because we're just not used to seeing real bodies having real sex. We're used to seeing pornography, which uh, porn actors and actresses have very sculpted bodies. They exercise a lot. They sometimes have surgery or enhancements. They spend a lot of time uh, doing hair removal for the most part. And so what we see in pornography isn't actually what we see in our partners or in in ourselves. And so it can kind of skew the way we feel about real world sex. And we're talking about this because today I have invited somebody very special onto the show whose whole job is to look at real people having real sex. Sarah Beal is the curator of Make Love Not Porn. Make Love Not Porn is a collection of user-generated videos of real people having real sex. So the, the videos that you see on Make Love Not Porn are not performances. They are people, single or couples or moresomes, having real sex and recorded in the privacy of their own homes or other places. So Sarah Beale's job is to view every single video submitted in its entirety to make sure that it doesn't include any sort of like pornographic trope or cliche. Make Love Not Porn believes that the everyday sex that we have in our normal everyday life is the hottest sex. And I tend to agree. I have made several videos with past lovers that I am in possession of on my computer. And I love making them because they're super, super sexy to make and very intimate and vulnerable. I also like watching them every now and then because I like seeing myself have sex and I like seeing some of my partners have sex with me. I mean, I'd probably like to see them having sex with other people as well. I mean, that sounds hot. If we have had sex and you have videos of you having sex with somebody else and you want to send that to me, I am totally game to watch that. Sean at thelovedrive.com. Before we get to this episode, though, I have one more thing that I want to get to. So 
I am looking for a volunteer intern to help me run the love drive. So I have an opportunity for someone who wants to learn how the love drive works and wants to work directly with me. So we'll be working on branding, social media, uh, podcast, audio recording, video editing, content creation, curation, and also how to build an audience and attract potential customers. So while this is an unpaid internship, you will certainly be compensated in other ways. We'll work closely on the love drive, and I will share everything I know about building this business for you and your future endeavors. But I will also work closely on you and your sex life and your love life. So you'll be my love drive intern and in turn, I will be your love drive intern. Uh, You'll also be one of the very first people to get a free love advice t-shirt or a free free love advice t-shirt, which means that uh, when you wear it, you'll have to be ready to listen to people's problems. Don't worry, you'll be great at it. So I won't lie, I have a lot of work to do and I have some big, big plans. And I absolutely plan on building a team of paid staff once the love drive becomes profitable and the intern position will be one of the first to get paid. So if you're interested and you want to help, I am over the moon thrilled and excited to potentially have you help me. So head over to thelovedrive.com forward slash help. That's H-E-L-P, which is what I need to get more details and to apply for this internship. I'm so looking forward to working with you. My name is Sean Galanos. This is The Love Drive. And today we're talking to Sarah Beal of Make Love Not Porn. Could you please introduce yourself? My name is Sarah Beal, and I'm the curator for a website called makelovenotporn.tv. Can you tell me about the work that you do and how you got to do what you're doing today? Make Love Not Porn is a curated real-world sex video sharing site where people share the sex they have in their everyday lives without performing for the camera in a way that's contextualized, consensual, and porn cliche-free. So the people who share videos on our site have usually never shared a video of themselves having sex before. We have a profit-sharing business model where people pay $5 right now to rent a video for three weeks, and then we split the profit 50-50 with our creators, or as we call them, our make-love-not-porn stars. We are the social sex revolution. Our mission is to get people to talk about sex in the real world. We're not anti-porn. We're pro-sex, pro-porn, pro-knowing the difference. Curation isn't about censorship, but it's about creating a space online where people can celebrate and watch the messy, awesome humanness that happens and is a part of real world sex. Yeah, I like to say that sex is often messy and awkward and we just don't A, talk about it or C, like share it or see it in videos. When you actually watch real world sex, (laughs) it's very, very different from what you usually see in mainstream porn. And hopefully if we're doing our job right, a lot closer to your own experience in a way that helps you feel better about 
your body, your real world body, and your real world awkwardness. What's the difference between real world sex and porn sex? How does it differ? We are fans of feminist porn. So we are not feminist porn. We are an entirely new category uh, that we call social sex. We're what you would share on other social platforms like Facebook and YouTube if they allowed um, sexually expressive content. So our competition isn't porn. And again, we're not anti-porn. But the truth of the matter is that a lot of mainstream porn is produced according to a very kind of rigid and rote formula of positions and camera angles. Straight porn in particular follows a pretty standard trajectory of oral sex for a man. I don't know, five different positions, 40 minutes later, he comes on her face and it's over. <laughs> That's not really how most people have real world sex. And she's happy about getting come on her face. Yeah, exactly. Make Love Not Porn began because my boss, Cindy Gallup, she was a high-flying ad exec in her late 40s, and she was dating younger men. And she discovered through her own direct personal experience that the lovely, otherwise lovely young men that she was dating were pulling out the porn moves in the bedroom. And so after this had happened to her multiple times, she sort of was like, had an aha moment. It was like, oh, people are learning about how to have sex from porn. This guy thinks that what he's doing with me in bed is what I want. And because nobody is talking about what it really means to be good and bad, there's so much free online porn. Plus like the sex education today, isn't that great? People are, are learning how to be good in bed from porn. So she decided to set out and change that through a very basic site called makelovenotporn.com, which had infographics. And the whole point was just to, it boiled down to just talk to your partner about how you want to have sex with them. Just talk to your partner. So, you know, examples of the infographics were, in the porn world, all women love it when men come on their face. In the real world, some women like it, some women don't. Talk to your partner. <laughs> it's entirely up to personal choice and so on. And there were ones about, in the porn world, all women like to be called sluts and whores. And in the real world, some people might not want to be called a slut during sex. Again, entirely up to personal choice. I would, I would say that most women don't want to be called whores or sluts or have their face come down. Yeah. It's not realistic. I remember my, well, my brother, I remember my brother putting on porn when he was 13 and drinking a beer. And I like walked into the room and I like started watching this thing. I didn't know what it was. And then my mom came in and obviously he got in trouble. And then my mom pulled me aside and said, this isn't how real people have sex. That's great. Yeah. That's a great mom right there. Yeah, she is a great mom. Why is it important for people to see real world sex on the internet? Well, for one, if you are just getting your sex education and your instruction on how to be good in bed and, you know, what's important from sex from porn, then you're probably not having very good sex. So for one, it's important for people to see examples of that because it could really make you much happier in your own life. 
it's people doing things that they actually do in their sex lives. Some people are super flexible, but having great real world sex doesn't require you to have the <laughs> Olympian uh, skills of a porn star. Right. Yeah. I did a podcast yesterday, actually, where I was uh, interviewed uh, on a podcast called Shameless Sex, where basically they they normalize a whole lot of sexual behaviors, which is one of the things that I think uh, real sex does is that it normalizes stuff that we don't see in pornography. And I was invited there to talk about how to eat pussy, which is a thing that you don't really see in porn. I mean, I went on Pornhub yesterday and it was in the blowjob category, there was 51,000 videos. And in the pussy eating or pussy licking category, there was only 10,000. And so it shows you how disproportionate some acts are in pornography that aren't actually that disproportionate in real world sex, which I think that's just really, it's beautiful to be able to see a whole spectrum of how people have sex and not just what drives ad dollars or clicks on porn sites. The thing is in mainstream porn, the female orgasm is not really important because there's no way to prove that it happened, right? Men ejaculate for the most part, and that's like proof of sex. And that's the quote unquote money shot, right? And so whether the female porn performer comes is is not really important to anyone. And I think frankly, probably for the most part, you know, unless the performer she's working with is like really great or she's worked with them a ton of times and feels like he can make her come, like probably doesn't want to spend an extra, you know, like 20 minutes having an orgasm. She probably wants to get the scene over with and enjoy her day, the rest of her day, right? Right. It's it's her job. Definitely porn scripts, I would say the blow job is incredibly uh, essential in mainstream porn. And what we call the lick job on Make Love Not Porn is is not so much... And, you know, if it is, it's performed primarily for the viewer at home. So at a really awkward angle in mainstream lesbian porn with like really, really long nails, like not to say that you can't have great lesbian sex if you have long fingernails, but I think it's an added challenge. Sure. Yeah. You have to be extra careful. (laughs) Yeah. And people who eat pussy know that it's not an act that takes a set amount of time. You kind of have to just get in there and go for it. And it doesn't video well. No. I mean, if you want close-ups, it just it's not really feasible. One thing I love seeing in our uh, real-world sex videos is people's faces. I'm personally much more interested in seeing what a person's face like looks like in while they're being pleasured that's hot to me. I'm, I'm personally less interested in a close-up. Like, I think it's okay if you are, but that's one of the things we do at Make Love Not Porn is we encourage people to pull the camera back and show the whole experience. Close-ups are, you know, a porn trope. That's what we see in produced porn. And it's what we see in so-called amateur porn, like much of which is actually produced. And I think that people get this impression because the only sex they're seeing on video is porn, that in order for something to be valuable, in order for people to want to pay for it, 
that you have to show proof of sex at all times. And one of my, the things I do in my work is encourage our make love, not porn stars to see the entire experience as valuable and worth watching. So the before and after and the awkward moments and the part where your cat jumped on the bed, you know, your face and how you look at each other and how you switch positions and all of that stuff that, I don't know, people just really relate to on a human level, but it, it takes some time. Like I consider myself kind of like a, a bit of a cheerleader, a bit of a coach, a bit of a guide. A lot of what I do is just telling people that they're great the way they are and encouraging them to go further in terms of just capturing that completely unvarnished. Yeah. You empower people to show us what it really looks like. Yeah. I I mean, and it's a, it's an incredibly fortunate job to have our make love, not porn stars do their own work. They're on their own journey, so to speak. I like to think that I play a role in just making like reassuring them and making them feel good about what they're doing. You talked about, you know, encouraging people to show their face Mm -hmm. because that's intimate and it's vulnerable and it's what makes these videos different from pornography. Mm -hmm. What draws people to putting their videos on make love, not porn? Okay. So first of all, I would say that one thing to point out is that you can remain anonymous on make love, not porn. So you don't have to show your face. And I always explain that as far in terms of meeting people where they are and how comfortable they are. Again, like most of our uh, Make Love Not Porn stars are just regular people who have regular jobs (laughs) outside of um, what they share on Make Love Not Porn. So in order to be able to represent as wide a breadth of what sex looks like in the real world, we're totally fine with people obscuring their faces. Like with a mask or blurring or cropping? Yeah, all of those three. So we've had videos with masks. Um, we have a couple of people who just completely crop their heads out of the shot and they do it really well. And we do have some blurring as well. But yeah, what draws people? I think it's definitely our philosophy. Like, I think that in order to really appreciate the good sex that you're having, you have to kind of have some bad sex. (laughs) That's how it happened in my life. You have some good sex and you have some bad sex and you have some partners that you don't communicate with that well. And then maybe you find somebody that you communicate with well and you, you can kind of get a sense of like, oh, okay, that felt really good and genuine. And that was a little bit like not so good. And it's entirely up to personal choice. So I think that people who submit to Make Love Not Porn, you know, have a degree of experience with good and bad sex. People are proud of that they're really enjoying themselves sexually. And there's kind of even a generosity in that, sharing what the good sex you're having so that other people can then sort of see themselves in you and think, oh, I can also experience that. People also share because they're looking to spice up their relationships. Spoiler alert, it works. <laughs> uh, we've got, we have lots of great feedback from our Make Love Not Porn stars saying that they started filming and their real world sex and 
to spice up their marriage and they thought maybe they would just do like one video and now you know 30 videos later it's allowed them to deepen their communication and become closer than they ever have and you know things like people reconnecting after the birth of a child which leaves both parents really drained and not very interested in sex yeah i can imagine putting it online for everyone to see can make it more exciting yeah and there's definitely that like risk factor i think what's nice is we create a really nice container for people so they feel comfortable sharing they know that it's curated they know that it's ethical and then they do get that extra titillation of knowing that people are going to watch I'm so used to people doing this. It doesn't seem like something like uber radical all the time to me. But yeah, I think if you're sharing your first ever sex video on the internet with your partner, that's, you probably have a lot of like different feelings about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm very selective about who even gets a nude. You yeah. Know? And let alone a whole video on the internet. I sent a video to a friend. Like we made a video together and I sent it to her. And it was the first time that a video of me had like crossed the internet, you know, and wasn't like living locally on my computer mm -hmm. because I like to control that. But she also wanted it and it's totally fair. She was in the video. So I sent it to her and with the understanding that, you know, it wasn't going to go anywhere. Yeah. Though if I saw it somewhere, I wouldn't be ashamed of it. It was a, it was like well lit and <laughs> it was it was You care about the like technical quality. You're like you'd be more ashamed if it was like really dark. Yeah, or out of focus. <laughs> yeah, it was shot in four K, it was well lit. And we I mean have great chemistry together, so it was like a fun video to make. Uh, I would be hard pressed to put it online. I'm not there yet. Though maybe by the end of this oh conversation. Oh my God, yeah. No, you should definitely share it on Make Love Not Born. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's definitely ways I could definitely hide. I mean, actually, it was cropped out, not intentionally, but it just happens to be an almost fully cropped video. Yeah. By the end of this conversation, you might convince me to put it online. Excellent. I think some of my listeners would really appreciate that. Challenge accepted. <laughs> well, I have to talk to the other partner. It's a two-person two situation. You do, yeah. <laughs> you have to talk to that person. How much time do you spend watching videos? Right now I'm getting about 20 videos a month. I'm the only curator. <laughs> so I tend to batch them. I like to set aside a special time where that's just video time. Uh -huh. And I think I understand. <laughs> Not all the videos that I get turn me on necessarily, but it is a kind of an emotionally like and physically vulnerable position to be in. Watching the videos is a lot more of an emotional experience than you might think. I'm watching people be vulnerable and it makes me feel kind of vulnerable myself. And I take my job pretty seriously just in the sense that I do want to make sure that we're creating this space that's consensual and porn cliche free. And so I really do watch like beginning to end and that requires focus. <laughs> Yeah, I had a, a listener just ask a question about, well, it was, it was a comment, and he said that watching regular porn, no matter how extreme, doesn't bother him, uh, might not, might not turn, turn him on, but doesn't, doesn't turn him off. But watching like real people making love mm -hmm. makes him really, really uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. And he wants to know why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say it's the emotional Congratulations, you feel things. <laughs> you have real world feelings. <laughs> You're human. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've heard that before. 
very early on, we had somebody, you know, who was advising for us say like, actually, like, I feel, I feel uncomfortable watching this. And we've had people cancel their accounts with us and say like, I felt like I was spying on their private moment and it made, it was too intense for me. First of all, the videos on Make Love Not Porn, people um, are choosing to upload them. So it's a positive experience for them. I would just suggest don't get freaked out if you feel uncomfortable because you are probably having an emotional reaction to two human beings actually acting how real people act. And it might even kind of remind you of your own vulnerability. So I would just say, stick with it. We've never done a study on this. Hopefully we will eventually. But like in porn, there's kind of like a spike, you know, like it's like your monkey brain is stimulated by like something really graphic. There might even be something going on physiologically that you can't control. Like your brain is just like, whoa, okay, I'm turned on now. Whereas in real world sex, the build is much slower. You might not even find yourself getting really turned on, say, for the first five minutes. But the arousal is just feels a little more, I don't know, more real. And afterwards, you feel good. And we had a guy come to us and say, watching porn makes me want to jerk off. Watching your videos makes me want to have sex with my partner. It actually makes you want to connect with other people. Love that. Yeah, it's amazing. That is what we're all about in terms of like creating change in the real world. We're not just about being an online platform. We're about people actually bringing people together offline. Anything that makes me want to have sex with my partner is a win in my book. And Make Love Not Porn, with its intimacy-inducing, vulnerable depiction of real people having real sex, does just that. So a few weeks ago, I was in New York City, uh, Washington Square Park, more specifically. And I gave some free love advice, which is a thing that I do when I travel. I bring my little sign, and sometimes I record the episode uh, for the podcast, and sometimes I just give free love advice because I have some time to kill, and I love to connect with people on that level. A man walked up to me, and men often do this. They say, what's this all about? They look at the sign, says free love advice, and they go, what's this all about? And they sort of like demand that I explain to them what I'm doing, even though to me, it feels pretty obvious I'm giving free love advice. Anyways, he was a sweet man and he was in his late 60s, maybe early 70s. And I finally got him to start talking to me. And he shared with me that he is a gay man that lives in Texas that is in his late 60s and uh, doesn't date online, doesn't know how to meet people in person, and has been celibate for over 10 years. And I, I didn't really know how to help him. So we talked for a bit and I sort of asked questions and tried to figure out a solution to his problem. And eventually, we got there. It's not always easy to figure out how I can best help people. But I'm so grateful that he was willing to sit down with me and just open up. Like he he opened up to a perfect stranger and told me, 
what was happening. And eventually we're, we were able to come up with a solution. And he took a chance with me and, and he opened up and he laid it all out there. And I am inviting you to do the same. Take a chance with me and lay it all out there if you're interested. Last week, I offered uh, some free love advice sessions for my listeners, and I am continuing to do so. So I have some slots left. What you can do is go to thelovedrive.com forward slash free love advice. And on that page, you can sign up and then you'll be forwarded to my calendar where you pick a 30-minute time slot and we will talk uh, over video calls. We're going to look at each other and we're going to talk about something that I can help you with. So you can talk to me about your sex life or lack of sex life, how to have a difficult conversation with somebody, what's going on with your relationship, uh, troubles with your libido, whatever it is. If it has to do with sex, love, relationships, dating, I want to work with you to figure out a solution. So thelovedrive.com forward slash free love advice. Okay, here's another thing really quickly that I need to touch on. A few weeks ago, I did an episode on eating pussy, and I talked about one of my practices, which is rimming my partner before eating her pussy. And some people have said that that might not be the best practice because of cross-contamination, and and that's not something I had ever considered. I just didn't think it was a high-risk activity. And so I did a little bit of research, and the verdict is out as to whether it's not a good idea or not, or as to whether it's it's a good idea or not. We know that you shouldn't have penetrative sex from the anus to the vagina because you can deposit E. coli and it could could lead to a UTI or some sort of, some other vaginal infection or irritation. We know that. But what about analingus to cunnilingus? Is there a danger there? How common is that practice? And I've started doing some preliminary research, and it's fairly common, and there people have a wide range of opinions on how dangerous or or grody or gross or whatever it is. So I'm going to find out. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. I'm going to interview doctors. I'm going to interview some of you. I am going to go to the streets and interview perfect strangers about their analingus uh, practices because I really want to figure out what's the story here. How common is this? How dangerous is this? So if you have any input on this at all, you can send me an email, Sean, S-H-A-U-N, at thelovedrive.com or on Instagram. I'm pretty active on Instagram, at thelovedrive. All right. My name is Sean, and this is The Love Drive. Today, we're talking to Sarah Beale of Make Love, Not Porn. Was, has it been hard, and you don't have to answer this if it's too personal, but has it been hard getting funding from like VCs or investors because of the type of business that you guys are in? Yeah, it's been incredibly hard to get funding. It's been incredibly hard to operate in any way that a normal business would. So one thing that's always been really important to us is um, our profit sharing business model. Our founder, Cindy Gallup, always 
wanted to fairly compensate people for the incredible value that they are bringing to Make Love Not Porn. And because we are in the adult business, we can't work with sites like, for example, like PayPal. PayPal won't work with us because we're an adult. So we have to work with other payment processors for payments in and out that charge like exorbitant fees. Like people will ask, oh, well, how does the porn industry, how do they process their payments? And they do it through these third-party um, payment systems that charge huge fees in order to take on the risk of uh, working in the porn industry, essentially. Because of, because of liability, potential liability, and so they have to charge higher fees in order to cover themselves? Yeah, I mean, in the porn, <laughs> in the porn industry, there are a lot of chargebacks. Like, that's when you basically say, like, I I didn't purchase this and you go to Visa and you say also not only did I not purchase this but then Visa dings the company for a fraudulent charge which they totally purchased. Yeah, I mean and jerked off to and then felt remorse, had a porn hangover in the morning <laughs> yeah. and then tried to get the charges reversed. Yeah, so I mean I used to work I used to do customer service for an online dating site the chargebacks were rampant. So, and then I know people who've worked in customer service for porn. And, and that's, that's just one of the things that goes hand in hand right now with, with the porn industry. On the other hand, Make Love No Porn has almost no chargebacks in our history. We are actually a very, very low risk company, but because we're an adult, people, businesses don't look at, even if they personally support us, they just, apply the same blanket, you know, no adult content thing to us. So it, yeah, it's been difficult for us to stay afloat while also paying our make love, not porn stars. Well, it's, it's a shame. I was just talking to a friend this morning who is a sex therapist and she uh, had her Instagram account blocked and now it's been reinstated, but she's no longer allowed to share her link to her website, which is mm -hmm. how she was getting clients. I mean, she's a, a legit therapist yeah. who, who just deals with sexuality and intimacy. And so posts content that's relevant to that. And, and she gets, she gets sort of uh, just bulked into adult services when it's not an adult service, right? So there's this this mainstream prudishness or just sort of like, I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole, even though if we look at make love, not porn, no one can say that this is a bad service, mm -hmm. that this is creating harm in people's lives. We could say that to pornography or to the porn industry, but we can't really say that to this. But as much as people want to say they love it, they also don't really want their name attached to providing funding for companies and not just this company. I'm thinking about other, you know, wellness companies in the yeah. sexuality and intimacy industry. And I think it's, it's terrible. Instagram and I guess Facebook could lead the charge in terms of actually putting some work into saying like we support good sexual values and we understand that some content is explicit and shouldn't be seen by the minors who are on our site. But what's more important, a picture of a kale salad or information that could help you lead a healthier and happier life or sex education information that 
somebody under the age of 18 shouldn't be seeing. But on the other hand, we know that children as young as like eight are discovering porn on their parents' iPads and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. I was on AOL when I was like 11 (laughs) or 12. And I was trading pictures with, I think, probably full-grown men. You know, I mean, they weren't my pictures and they weren't their pictures, but like we were trading porn at the age of 12. So it happens everywhere. Basically, they they just don't want to touch it. It's also a shame because, you know, for example, with sex workers, people who work in all kinds of sex work, strippers I know, um, porn stars I know, you know, who share content that's within the content guidelines, they're also kicked off of Facebook and Instagram. For Patreon. Yeah. For content that isn't, in fact, sexually explicit, but because it has to do with sex. And that forces them to do business well, it affects their business in that they don't get as much. And it also, you know, forces them to negotiate in ways that are probably less safe for them. So it's also an issue in terms of the safety and survival of people who work in sex work. Yeah. I, I guess one way forward is for more people to touch it with a 10-foot pole. Yeah. Well, more more people willing to say, okay, like I'll endorse this and I'll actually put my money where my mouth is and damn the consequences. And and hopefully there's a movement where more people do that, where it becomes less of a risk. You know, Cindy often says the biggest obstacle in life and business is fear of what other people will think. That is literally what it comes down to. You have to take a stand and you can't care what other people think. (laughs) I mean, that's my biggest fear in life. Yeah. Mine, personally. Well, and professionally. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like you get over what other people think in in stages. I'm caring less. (laughs) I started working in sexuality like before social media was like really big and before, you know, all of my distant relatives were on social media and adding me all the time. And yeah, it's, it's been interesting for me, like uh, realizing that my mom is fine with what I do. My dad is fine. My friends are fine. And all of a sudden I'm like caring what some like distant aunt in, in the United States thinks about what I'm doing. And yeah, it's tough. My uncle once emailed my my dad, his brother, and expressed concern over what I was doing on the internet (laughs) with these articles. (laughs) See, and then, you know, when you're like, okay, that's actually their problem. To be fair, he is Mormon. Okay. And he lives in Australia. So I don't also don't really care. Yeah. John, I love you. I just don't care. (laughs) Uh, I did talk to my dad this morning. I said, hey, uh, one of the episodes coming out is going to be a guide to eating pussy. Yeah. And, and like, you might want to skip that one because it's all me talking about eating pussy. And he was like, oh, cool. Thanks for letting me know. He's like, I taught you well, my son. I don't think he taught me anything. <laughs> I mean, he taught me a lot, but he didn't teach me how to eat pussy. That's a thing that, that we don't learn through pornography, that you learn through uh, trial and error and experience and hopefully communicating with your partner Mm -hmm. because I'm not any good unless I get feedback. Yeah, and everyone is different. 
It's like uh, going to play tennis for the first time. Like you're going to suck and you, you don't know the rules. The balls are going everywhere. And then if you get a coach that tells you actually this is what you do, mm-hmm. you'll eventually get better. So communication with experience makes great sex. Mm-hmm. What makes great sex videos? A few simple things. The most important thing for a video on Make Love Not Porn is that it be of the sex you actually enjoy having in your real life without performing for the camera. So that is like the number one thing that I look for. And definitely like technical elements are way less important than that. Um, There are some really simple things that you can do though to make a better video. Again, like I would really encourage people to um, not try to be perfect and just film around their real world sex life carry your phone or your camera around with you. Try to remember to turn it on before you're like both naked, (laughs) which is a challenge sometimes, or you yourself are naked because, you know, we have videos with just one person in them. That's also real world sex. I always say this because this actually happened to me a couple of times. Make sure you actually hit record. I have thought on two occasions that I recorded a video And thought it was great and then realized that I had not. (laughs) And it's very disappointing. I've done that on the podcast before. Oh, my God. So I have a list. I have like a checklist that I go through before I start the episode. And one of them is hit record. Yeah. And then make sure that it's recording. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great tip. It's pretty basic, but it's also really easy to to forget. Yeah. And then also remember, you know, make sure that you have space on your memory card or your phone oh because it's also very sad to record half of a really great experience so yeah batteries memory important another thing is lighting you just made me happy (laughs) yeah i mean one thing i always tell people is like one of the easiest ways to get good lighting is to use natural sunlight so if you like having morning sex and you have a bedroom with nice natural light, then, you know, set your camera up before you go to bed and then just turn it on as soon as you wake up in the morning. Make sure it's not backlit. Yes, make sure it's not backlit. That's an important one. Yeah. you might. It's great light, but it's useless if it's backlit. You are totally right. I'm sure you've seen plenty of backlit videos. (laughs) I have. And it doesn't mean I won't accept anything that's backlit. It's just... Natural light, when it's not backlit, is one of the most flattering. So also, if you're worried about like... Your wrinkles. Yeah, which you shouldn't be. But but yeah, everyone wants to look good. We're human. I would say if you can set your camera up before or figure out where you're going to put it beforehand, find a spot on your dresser where you can prop up your phone and you're going to get like a nice wide shot. Use a tripod. Yeah, use a tripod. If you have access to one. I mean, we have lots of great dresser tripod uh, videos. Like I reviewed one yesterday from a couple in their 60s. And it was the second video they ever shot. And they just propped the camera up on the dresser. And it looked awesome. As long as the camera doesn't fall over. (laughs) (laughs) This is all tech technical requirements for making a good video. It's not a lot, but it is something that you have to think about. Yeah. When I first started uh, reviewing social sex videos, 
I didn't have a lot of experience filming. And so I went through the process myself in order to just really understand what it's like. My husband and I, we recorded a video once. It was really funny. So the room was way too dark. First of all, you could barely see anything. And I think we were just like kissing on the bed. And then we had just gone out and had this really wonderful dinner. And he was like, he was like, I'm too full. <laughs> I mean, that's real sex right there. <laughs> yeah. And that was, that was the video. <laughs> that's a great video. Are, are, is that video available for rent? <laughs> Not currently. Okay. <laughs> but maybe sometime I'll get somebody to like edit it together to show what real world sex looks like. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why Dan Savage recommends fucking first and then having dinner. Yeah. Because it's just, I, I mean, I know that to be true for myself. And I think most people agree that it's just not as fun when you're full. Yeah. Whether or not you share a sex video online is something that you should think a little bit about. Yeah. O often once it's out there, you can't pull it back, but that's actually not the case. Yeah. Make love, not porn. Yeah. So we operate what we call our change of heart clause. Basically, if you email us and you say, I don't want my video up anymore. We will take it down, no questions asked. And I think that's a really important part of like how we operate because we want people to feel comfortable taking that sort of fun, calculated, adventurous risk. Um, and we also want them to feel like if they decide they don't want it online anymore, then it will disappear. And that's beautiful. That makes the, that's like one less hurdle. <laughs> yeah. It's not permanent. We actually had Make Love Not Porn Star couple who, before they submitted to us, shot themselves having sex live on Chatterbait. And they decided to take their videos down for personal reasons, mainly related to work. And they told me that actually Chatterbait had like recorded a video and it was floating around their site and they couldn't get them to take it down. They just kept getting the runaround, you know, from this company. And it was so the opposite of how we do business, which was just like, they were like, take the video down. We were like, okay, fine. Thank you very much. You're always welcome back anytime. Whereas like, I don't know if they ever actually were able to get that video taken down. I mean, Chatterbay probably has different like user agreements where when you put your content on there, it becomes their content. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently you guys are doing it differently, which which is awesome. Yeah. But it's it's sad. Like I was <laughs> may, I maybe I you know, I'm a little naive now with like my or not naive, but I you know, I'm used to treating people well. It's it's sad when when you see that other businesses don't really care. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen the Hump Fest? Dan Savage's Hump Fest? I have not seen Hump yet, no. The idea for people who don't know about it is that amateur people who, who don't really make porn get to make a get to make a porno and it gets screened at the Hump Fest mm -hmm. all throughout the United States and Canada and maybe overseas now. I'm not sure. But the idea is that uh, when you go to watch the the fest, there is no you're not allowed to film it. There's no phones. If they see a phone, they confiscate it and you leave. Yeah. And so they, they make it really safe for people to make videos that will never, ever be seen, even on the internet. And they're only yeah. seen live like a handful of times and then, and then they get archived. And I love that idea. I love the idea. I mean, that's why I love Make Love Not Porn. I love the idea that normal people that don't have any experience shooting erotic films can 
get naked and have sex and see it, see it, show it to people. Yeah, like, and with people will consent. watch it and pay for it. Well, that's the other exciting part. <laughs> <laughs> people pay to see something authentic, right? Sometimes, you know, a video will be totally awesome, but not like technically the best. And I'll make the decision as curator that as long as I can actually see what's happening, I'll accept it because it's non-performative real world sex. And then people will see that other people are actually renting that video and then they'll make more and they'll get better at filming because they'll gain more experience. Do Are there people that make a, like a decent wage just making videos? There's no one who makes like their regular living off of Make Love Not Porn yet. Yet. As long as your videos are on Make Love Not Porn, you continue to earn money from them. So it can be passive income. It becomes passive income pretty quickly. Sure. We have a couple on our site who were with us since we launched in 2013. And I want to say they've made over $20,000. So That's pretty nice. Yeah. You know, we have people making like four figures each payout. We pay out every 90 days. People have said, you know, we bought a new washing machine with the money that we made off Make Love Not Porn or people buy new cameras or we've had people donate to charity, which is really nice. People pay off credit card debt that go on vacation. It's really nice. It's beautiful. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> what are some of the hurdles that new Make Love Not Porn stars might experience? There's the technical hurdle of not being super used to, you know, filming things in general. I think that's changing more and more because so much of our social media involves video now. Like we're all getting pretty good at like framing and basic editing. So that becomes less of a hurdle, but it can be one. And you have to get used to being ready with your camera when something's happening in your life. So there's that. That's a, that's a bit of a hurdle. Yeah. Any emotional hurdles? Emotional. Just there's the hurdle of like uh, embracing your real world body and how it looks. Um, we're not used to seeing the way that real bodies move and jiggle. And I think for women, things like showing your cellulite, for example, which most women have. And then men, you know, showing their bellies. Like I have to say, based on totally unscientific <laughs> research I've done. Most men have a little belly. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> probably like 95% of men have some sort of abdominal fat that they probably wish they didn't have. Yeah, but uh, I'm here to say it's a lot of men with a little bit or a lot of abdominal fat are having great real world sex. And so, you know, your cellulite does not dictate whether you can have awesome sex. How your body looks has no bearing over how much pleasure you can experience. So yeah, there's the emotional hurdle of feeling comfortable in front of the camera. We just don't, we just don't see real bodies moving. Like, I mean, we're basically trained by, I don't know, media diet industry to see like flesh jiggling or moving on our body as something like really abhorrent. And hair. Yeah. No hair in porn. Yeah. No hairy bodies. No hairy bodies. 
So there's that. And then, yeah, just getting used to how your orgasm face. Oh, your O face. Your O face. <laughs> um, so there's that. Like, it's beautiful, but it's not always like a uh, supermodel beautiful. Right. Which is not the only kind of beautiful, right? Yeah. Um, totally up to personal choice again. And then, you know, I think communicating with your partner. Because I found that communicating about shooting a video, planning it, talking about it, it opens you up to just talking more about sex in general with your partner. And I don't really think that's a hurdle. Well, that's a side effect, like a positive side effect. Yeah. But, you know, you have to be able to broach the subject. I guess it's a hurdle if you're not used to it, which most of us aren't really that great at talking about sex, either before, during, or after sex. Yeah. It teaches you that you're going to have to talk about it before you, like, you don't just spontaneously set up a camera without telling your partner. No, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> That's not going to get accepted. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's a hurdle in the sense that it's not something that we do, but it's also like a beautiful side effect of making these videos is that you get to become closer to your mm -hmm. partner. Uh, did we, is there something you want to cover that we didn't cover? I would just really encourage your listeners to try shooting their own real world sex video. I think even if you don't ever share it, it can just be a really interesting experience. I think you can learn a lot about yourself and your partner if you have one. And I would also encourage everyone in your audience to become a Make Love Not Porn star. We have people on our site submitting videos. They range in age from about 19 to 80. All different ages, genders, uh, sexual orientations, um, ethnicities. Everyone is welcome. And in particular right now, we are looking to... Uh, have more queer representation on our site. So if you are queer and you're hearing this and you go to the site and you don't see a ton of queer folks, we want you to share your real world sex so that we can showcase it. So if you don't see yourself represented and you feel like giving it a go, please do. And I promise I'm very nice. <laughs> do you have a parting thought for our listeners? I would just say, be kind to yourself. We're all human. The world is kind of a dark place <laughs> right now. Sometimes. <laughs> the work that I do is, is about helping people sort of just embrace themselves in, for who they are, imperfect, perfectly imperfect. Yeah, so be kind to yourself and others and communicate. Talk to your friends about sex. Oh, nice. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah Beale can be found on Twitter at Madam Curator XO. That's Madam without an E. So M A D A M Curator XO. And Make Love Not Porn can be found online at makelovenotporn.tv. The Love Drive is produced by me, Sean Galanos, with the help from Guilford Street Studios. We are a very small outfit, but we tremendously appreciate your support. So thank you so much for listening to this episode, to past episodes, and to future episodes. Your support means the world to me, literally. I love hearing from you. I've been active on Instagram, and I've been getting a lot of comments and discussions there. And so if you want to interact with me, the best way to do 
that is either send me an email, sean at thelovedrive.com or on Instagram at thelovedrive. Again, we have some free love advice slots, sessions. Fill my slots. Go to thelovedrive.com forward slash free love advice. Next week, I am bringing you a whole episode on free love advice. I went to New York a few weeks ago. I did some free love advice in Central Park and Washington Square Park. And I will be bringing you a collection of those stories, including the story of the gay man from Dallas. People have little idiosyncrasies that drive me crazy. I'm not anal. No, I'm not. But I'm also kind of set in my ways. (laughs) 